Welcome once again to our Super Spectral Spooktober series. We've been expecting you ever since we saw your return in our Crystal Skull. This time we've collected a quartet of creepy tales to keep you up at night. Stories including a suspected satanic cemetery and a faceless phantom. Gruesome gossip to tell around the campfire of escaped serial killers and the disturbing demonic presence known as De Grossman. This case file join the fierce as they huddle around the headstones and regale you with some fearsome folk tales in the form of urban legends. <laughs> Case File 209 Urban Legends. I'm Braden. I'm Zo. I'm Dan. And I'm the Beverly Hills Mongoose. Braden, you look <laughs> Braden, you look exactly like fucking uh, King Diamond. It's hilarious. Who's King Diamond? Yeah, who's that? Merciful Fate? Who? Oh man. Nope. Deadly uh, Sinners! No? Oh, boys. Missed it. Disappointed all you. It. Even Zell. Missed. I'm. T- I'm. T- even though I love music, I'm terrible with names of performers. Just <laughs> absolutely terrible. Abigail, another fucking beautiful. Ah, oh, dude, you guys need to look into King Diamond after this. He's who. Do they rock uh, softly? No, fuck that. Okay, you remember uh, Jay and Silent Bob? He's who he's playing on the fucking Ghetto Blaster outside. Oh, yeah. The fucking quick stop. <laughs> Dance. That's too much. That's too much for this specter. <laughs> but you look just like him. Seriously, it's bizarre. What's the matter with him? He's, we'll do a side by side. Yeah, is he half dead? Is he dying? I can't believe you guys don't know who King Diamond is. I'm ashamed. Okay, well, I'll have to we'll do a comparison. All right, just before we start the show, I got another threat that needs to be taken care of here. So I got to play this video from our good buddies in the ATI once again. See what happens here. The following announcement has been paid for by Alien Theorist Illuminati. Hi, Brayden, Cell, Dan, and Andrew at Alien Theorist Theorizing. You're doing great work. Keep churning out those podcasts. Much love from Bigfoot Bay. Yeah. Shake it, Bigfoot Bay. Oh, yeah. A little titty shake there. Brayden's way too excited about that. Oh, yeah, I got Brayden. Yeah, like an actual person. That, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's that's, that's a Bigfoot, uh, isn't it? No, I'd be mean, like, are they like a? They have like a Instagram account? Like, are they? Like, oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I have to look into that. Um, Bigfoot Bay. Do the Yeah, this she's number one on my celebrity uh, <laughs> pass list. Hall <laughs> pass. Hall pass. Yeah, oh. <laughs> Bigfoot Bay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Buddy, those cheeks would snap that thing right off. You want nothing to do with that. <laughs> yeah, it would, would not end well for you. Uh, the videos no. are pretty funny. People have been sending us Bigfoot Bay uh, videos nonstop. So uh, thanks Where? to the ATI for sending that. On on Facebook and stuff, they've been tagging us. That is my first time seeing Bigfoot Bay. Sorry, it's pretty good. And me like yeah. <laughs> me, me. I hope this doesn't awaken something in me. Yeah. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> All right, so tonight we're talking a few urban legends. We all have picked one, and we'll be presenting them. And if for one thing, all of these are 100% true. 
Nothing but fact. Everything we talk about is real true. One hundred percent true. Every single legends true. <laughs> Unequivocal. Urban. Unequivocally true. Just, just all of it. Drink it in. Thank you. Gospel. Switching that filter back. (laughs) If you have a heart condition or you are pregnant and too soon, you may want to leave the room. No. So, we're just doing a little round. Yeah, so we're like all... So we're done? No. Yeah. Dan's going first. You said you want to go first. Okay. Dan's telling us a true, true freaky story. True freaky story. Very spooky. Just 12 miles southeast of Topeka, Kansas, sits a nearly forgotten town simply known as Stull. An unassuming and sparsely populated community that harbors a dark mystery. Official records show the town was originally founded in 1857 and had the name Deer Creek. Now, later historians say the town was renamed Stull after the area's first postmaster, although rumor has it that the town also was known as Skull, and the residents simply changed the lettering to make the name seem more sensible. Yeah, be more approachable. It can't be good for tourism, right? You're scaring everybody away. You're only getting a bunch of Zells showing up. (laughs) Now, near the center of town, set upon a gently sloping hill are the remains of a small church that had its roots reaching back to when the Pennsylvania Dutch congregation first settled in the area in 1867, but eventually fell into disuse and abandonment in the early 1900s. One might well expect that this kind of historical landmark would have been painstakingly preserved, except this church was seemingly torn down in the span of a single night by, as of to this day, unknown parties in 2002. Now, the plot of land that surrounds the spot of sacred ground where the church once stood is a cemetery spotted with headstones, some in extremely poor condition. One persisting legend has it that among these graves is a plot where the son of the devil and a witch was buried. The story goes along the lines that a witch, which consorted with the devil on the ground of the abandoned church, bore a son who took on a disfigured form upon his birth. Some claim his spirit still stalks the area of the church in a terrifying werewolf form. Now, extending from this tale is the stairway to hell that is supposed to lay beside the church. Is it? one of the most haunted places on earth it is perhaps the most haunted place on earth now local legend has it that if one steps down and follows these stairs they will be cast into a seemingly timeless void where they perceive hours passing on the staircase and yet when they finally turn around and step back onto the ground level only minutes have gone by my god it's like work the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's like hell. So he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hell. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and it's by this staircase that some say the devil arrives twice a year to visit the grave of his monstrous progeny. Little Nicky. The devil's rising from the gateway of hell, situated within the abandoned church, became a concerning draw for large groups of people starting in 1978. 150 people in 1978 grew to 500 people by 1988, and the local authorities were eventually asked to intervene on behalf of the residents of Stull. The most recent event involving law enforcement and a local news crew visiting the site in 1999 were allowed to film on location, but were hurriedly escorted off the premises just 30 minutes before midnight. Now, some people might be aware of Stull from recent mentions in the media uh, least of all probably not least of all probably supernatural uh, season five finale and if you look at photos of this place if you were going to have some type of stephen king you know garth ennis mundane supernatural showdown going down like this is the place that you would have it you have this church that was torn down like there's it's not there anymore it used to be there Local legend also says that this place that when it rained, 
the rain wouldn't even touch the inside of the church. Like it would just stay dry within the, even though it had no roof. It, oh, I was going to say, well, it did not have a roof. <laughs> Instant evaporation from the demonic forces. Fires of hell. Now, there's some say that perhaps that this was just most of the legends that you find can kind of trace their origins back to the 1970s. And it is widely held by most official sources that perhaps there was just one professor at a nearby university that came up with the legend of Stull of the church, just taking the dilapidated church, which actually existed there, and then attach these tales to it just to make something a little bit interesting. And then from there, you know, bored teenagers took it just a little bit farther. But the thing is, is that if you try to go there, you can't get in. The entire place is fenced off. Nobody wants you to be there. And most of the time people report when they actually go there, they're pretty much actively chased off by locals. This is where Diablo fell. <laughs> yeah, like if you're going to have one of those kinds of like Neil Gaiman-esque showdowns between the devil and, you know, if the forces of good or whatever, like this is the place that you would have it. It's kind of close to the geographical center of the continental United States. Like if you're going to have a battle over the for the, the soul of America or something like that, it'd probably be here. But. You know, it's one of those things where you have like the unassuming location that, you know, nobody's ever heard of, but has some kind of significance like way back in the past. It could be something well, like this. Like I maybe that's like maybe there's just a, a fucking tunnel leading straight to hell. And that's why it's still fucking the water evaporates when it gets there because it's so hot. And they know that. So they've got to protect it. That's why they got some old crusty like crusader who's got a crusty. bunch of chalices. Right. Yeah, that's why there's a town. I mean, there's nothing in that town. Like as far as looking it up, like it's it's an unincorporated community. It's like it's just like not that many people. There's not that huge a population there. They don't have their own school district. Nothing. It's just nobody really lives there. And why would you want to live there? But they somehow have this place here that they don't want to cap. Like you have these other places that you have, you know, haunted houses or uh, haunted asylums in some places turn them into pretty much like tourist traps or tourist attractions this place yeah, but this they place don't scary. want you, they don't this want you scariest going place there. in the world too this scary. one's legit hell hell on earth <laughs> gateway to hell skull kansas skull kansas skull kansas skull kansas skull that's, skull the real name. that's the name <laughs> yeah, that's how the legend goes anyways fucking cool it is that's cool cool Add that to the list of places I don't want to fucking go. <laughs> I like this one because, yeah, you Dan said like the, these places usually turn to tourist traps or like, you know, hot spots for ghost hunting shows. This one's too terrifying. It's too fucked up. Yeah. I wonder if there's like just like legendary bloodlines of people who have like lived there for fucking centuries that are like they protect the church and those are the people that chase you away. Yeah, it's uh, I, the that's, the, that's the part line. that I found most like the mummy kind this. of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. The, the magi, the magi. Yeah, <laughs> and I would like that's what I found most intriguing about this legend was that that they actively seem to protect this place that you had in 1999. They had a crew which seemingly had permission to kind of film on the premises, and then. Uh, they even had like a police escort, but then like someone showed up from the community, like 1130, like before midnight, they, they were there to film, you know, whatever's going to happen. Um, the two times they say they're supposed to like the devil's supposed to show up is during like winter solstice and like, um, like the solar, like the summer equinox. And I think they were there during one of those dates and it was just about to hit midnight. And, you know, if they were going to record and nothing happened and disprove the entire thing and yet they were told to leave, you know, before it struck midnight. So what if, what if this is just a, a town of just extremely sensible people? We're like, Hey, listen, we don't know if this is real, but fuck off. All right. We don't want to <laughs> yeah. take our chances. Beat it. Could be, could be. It's a smart kind of people. It's smart. <laughs> the town had to gather together to kill the devil's son there. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. And banish the devil. They teamed up and now these fucking dickheads are coming up with their spiked hair and their fucking TV cameras trying to get paranormally activated. Like, fuck off. <laughs> All right, Zach Baggins, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Beat it. Kick rocks. I don't care how big your Samsung Galaxy tablet is. All right, pal? <laughs> Kick rocks. We got a Ouija there. 
Ouija, Ouija. Ouija, Ouija. We got to? Yeah, yeah right. we got a Ouija there. <laughs> That's a solo. That's the one we talked about where you're going to be DJing with two of them. I'm, gonna, I'm putting this right to the top of the list of places we've got a Ouija at. No, no. I want to go to, we're going to Colonial Williamsburg. I'm all about that. I want to do it. We can go visit Dan. <laughs> that would be yeah, awesome. Meet him there. We can go to, we can stay at his place. He already offered. Yeah. That's the <laughs> trick. Like, I don't remember. That way it was, you invited us between drudgeries. You did. And you said we'd all get our butter, our fucking butter churned. So we're yeah. looking forward to it. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> great fucking time. Braden, you want to go next? Yeah, I've got a, I've got an urban legend that actually, I, I can't say this enough. This didn't happen to me, but it happened to a friend of a friend of mine. Interesting. Right? Not me. I, I'm going to tell the story as if it did happen to me. But it's not mine. It's not mine. It's a friend of a friend of mine. All right. This friend, you know, lives in uh, like an East Coast city. Maybe like a small suburb of, uh, let's say, Pittsburgh. All right. So me and some buddies, we were just uh, finishing up. We, we snuck, we bootlegged some some bourbon and we just finished up at the uh, the Cindy Hawkins, da- Cindy Hopkins dance. Sadie Hawkins. Sadie Hawkins. Sadie Hawkins. <laughs> That's where the girls ask the guys, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No one asked us. So <laughs> big right? surprise. So probably hanging out with us then. <laughs> so we were we were looking for trouble, right? With a capital T. Mm. Now I was with some friends, uh, Tommy, Donnie, and uh Ronnie. Ronald. No, he hated he doesn't like going by Ronnie. He hates Ronnie. Okay. Ron or Ronald. Uh, and of course me. And there'd been some strange things happening in our town. A couple of missing people. A couple of potential murdered vis- victims. Right? We were hearing rumors around about neighboring cities about people on Lover's Lane. Perhaps missing their faces. Right? So... There'd been these creepy stories of this, a wandering specter walking down the highway and people swerving or hitting it with their cars and it seemingly being nowhere to be found. So of course, we, no one asked us to go to the dance. So we, we couldn't get in. So we were like, what else should we do? We are like, why don't we go see this? Why don't we go see if we can find this thing? made a noise down in the hallway there so we start driving around and all we had to know is that some people say this this specter or illumination seemingly glue in the dark we we heard rumors that it perhaps didn't have a face and it was looking to replace its face with yours they want to take your face off off so we know you're going to be safe, at least. Eh. So Going to pick one of the other guys. Yeah. <laughs> so we went for a drive to a couple of the haunted areas where we had heard there's where we had heard that there were sightings of this thing. So we drove our, our cattle out. This is like 1940s. <laughs> This is this is the nineteen. This is around the nineteen forties, by the way. <laughs> Your friend, FYI, it didn't happen to me, Dan. This happened on an East Coast city in in an age around the nineteen forties. Sure, okay. I think I forgot to mention that point. <laughs> it doesn't really impact the story that much, other than no, it's fine. We're driving an the old type of car, old convertible. Driving. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we still have convertibles now. I mean, <laughs> slicked back our hairs and we <laughs> took off. Now, most of the sightings and the stories of these missing people came from this one forest where in this forest, there's an abandoned railway tunnel. So we pulled up to this at the dead of night, headlights pointing at it. And in the headlights, we see the warnings. Graffiti painted on the sign. The green man lives here. Beware of the green man. 
Charlie No-Face lives here. So we're sitting there when uh, Ronald goes, we should walk through to the other side. And Tom, Tommy, Tomald? What did I say his name was? (laughs) Ronald and Tommy. Tommy, that's right, Tommy. Tommy said he was driving and he said, there ain't a chance in hell. I'm going in there. Smart guy. Then uh, Don, Donnie, he said, he turned in the front seat facing me. I was scared, shaken. I don't want to go. And Donnie turns to me and he goes, hey, listen, Ronald, Ronald and you are going to, Ronald's going to take you in there. If you ever want to hang out with us, cool. I, oh, by the way, I wasn't a cool kid and these are the cool kids. <laughs> Right. They brought right. me along. would have been invited to the Sadie Hawkins dance if they were the cool kids. What are you talking about? Well, they're bullies. And they brought me along. They felt bad. Anyways, okay, okay. back to it. Ronald tells me, he says, he goes, Ronald's going to take you through the, the tunnel. I go, oh, I want to hang out with these guys again. I got no friends. So I go, okay, you guys are going to keep the headlights on, right? They're like, yeah, we're going to keep the headlights on. You guys run to the other sand and then come on back. We say, okay. So we jump out of the car. And as we're approaching, I notice little bones around the entrance of the tunnel. It's very creepy. So I look at Ronald and I say, you ready? Let's do this. And we run. And there's little puddles in the tunnel. And we're running. And all of a sudden, the lights turn off. We're in the pitch black of the tunnel. What was that? We hear the sound what's seemingly a metal cane tapping. Oh, by the way, a lot of these reports of this specter, he has a cane. <laughs> forgot, forgot to mention that as well. Dude, your friends are aware of this thing. This, this they're thing, they're right? aware of yeah, the, okay. the cane. He goes, oh no, this is probably the green man. When all of a sudden, it's it's Tommy. He's pulled a fast one on us. Gotcha. Ah! <laughs> Scares us in the tunnel. <laughs> Damn you, Tommy. Why would you do that? We all have a good laugh. Okay, let's, let's get back. Let's get back to the car. We start walking back. And yet again. What was that? Oh, it's it's got to be Donnie. We run to the car. We get to the car. There's no Donnie. The noise is getting louder and louder. Let's get out of here. Tommy jumps in, turns the car on. As the lights hit the tunnel, we see it. A glowing green man. And his face... He's seemingly wearing the face of our friend as it slowly, the skin slowly sloughs off, revealing his whole disfigured face as we peel the hell out of here. And we never go back again. We never, ever saw Donnie again. Fucking Donnie. Donnie. Donnie! Donald. You didn't Uh, avenge him? You didn't go back in there? Hell no. Hey, hold on a (laughs) sec. So the green man and Charlie No-Face are the same guy? Same person. Okay. Charlie Greenman. Charlie, Charlie Green No Face. <laughs> is Green Man his last name? Like the Charlie Green Man, aka the, the, the No Face. Now, this urban legend around Pittsburgh, um, it's been around for decades and decades and decades. People seeing specters reporting seeing this seemingly no faced man on the side of the road. Some people even claiming to have hit it or hit him with their car while he's in the middle of the road. Do you know it a certain last green summer? man in Philadelphia, but... Sorry? <laughs> I said, did it happen last summer? No, it didn't, but... He's got a hook. This urban legend actually has a somewhat real events tied behind it. There is a man that lived in the Pittsburgh area named Raymond Robinson. And when Raymond Robinson was eight years old... He climbed to the top of 
like a trolley outside of Beaver Falls uh, in the in the it's called Morado Bridge in the Pittsburgh area, and he was shocked by twenty two thousand volts. Toasted, uh, and he was shocked for so long gigawatts. that it it he lost his he lost an arm. He lost both eyes, and it basically melted his face at eight years old. Um, he, he didn't die. He actually lived to a ripe old age of 74. Did he, now, did he spend a lot of time touring high schools giving speeches? No. What he did is he would go for walks at night because he knew that his appearance seemingly spooked people and caused an issue because... He, if you look up pictures of Charlie No Face, which is the real life Raymond Robinson, they are hard to look at. Um, now, he's also been hit by cars because he wanders too close to the edge of the tree. He's been hit by a car twice. And I imagine survived. his eyesight's probably not that great. He has no eyesight. He's blind, <laughs> yeah, he completely no blind. He can't see. He's got no daredevil senses. Now, in, you know, he he passed away in 1985, but for many years in the 60s and 70s, people would pick him up and drive him to bars and trade beer and cigarettes to get his picture. There was lots of people um, that knew who he was and knew the legend, and they'd pick up him, and they referred to him as Charlie No-Face. Now, where the tunnel story comes in of why there's this tunnel in uh, near the Pittsburgh area where they call it the Green Man's Tunnel is because at one point, the this is unsubstantiated, but the rumors is, is that police were called because he was severely beaten one time in this tunnel. And perhaps that he still lives in that tunnel today waiting to get vengeance on the people that assaulted him. He didn't die in the tunnel, but he was severely salted in there. And people still say they see him or hear the clicking of his cane uh, to this day. Well, I get the cane now because he can't see. Yeah. Yeah. He's blind. I mean, Charlie No-Face, yin's are legend. But he, so, you know, people seeing him on the road, this took off from like someone driving and being like, you know, imagine catching someone in the headlights where you're like, this man had, he, Zell, if you want to pull up a picture of Raymond Robinson, uh, if you're not watching the live stream, danger warning. It's hard to he's hard to look at. But if you were driving Raymond in the middle Robinson? of the night, yeah, uh, you can pi- type in Charlie No Face Raymond Robinson. Um, if you're driving in the dead of night and your headlights caught this man, and as you were driving past, you would be terrified. And Can't be any so, worse than that lady that was on Oprah when we were kids. It's just that lady as bad. scared the it's fucking shit out of me. It's just as bad. It's just as bad as that. Yeah, the the girl who got her face destroyed oh. by the chimp. So I can see why people would see this and then be like, I saw this man with no face, right? And that's where this legend's born is then, you know, all of a sudden he's being seen at Lover's Lane. Um, Oh, yeah. Look at this guy's face. I've seen this guy before, actually. Now That's pretty fucking scary. That is a, oh, man. Mm, Poor guy. Right? So, you know. Exactly how you're imagining right now in your head. Yes. Fucking scary. (laughs) Terrifying. Now... You know, and it goes from there of him, you know, him stalking people on the highway, um, gr- grabbing, you know, the the grabbing lovers lane victims, um, a haunted specter. It goes all over the place. The only place where this legend seemingly remains um, where it's a potential for a ghost is the Green Man's Tunnel, where they say he his spirit still lives on walking his route and stealing faces. Stealing yeah. faces. Uh, yeah. Well, he has, he's got every intention to steal faces if he's trying to fix his up. I mean, it makes sense. Poor guy. Oof. No I wonder f- if you watched that movie Face Off and Nicolas Cage was like, that's a fucking good idea. I mean, yeah. there I'm going to try to implement that. <laughs> I could look like John Travolta. <laughs> Describe him to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, we, we got... We got a couple more stories, then we'll do a little theorizing of where we think urban legends originate from and all the rest, but I'm going to grab a quick beer. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
We're back for more spooky, <laughs> spooky stories. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take you in these filters anywhere close to no, serious. Braden, do your do your skeleton laugh that you're practicing prior to the podcast. My skeleton laugh? Yeah, you're, do your skeleton laugh. I don't even know what it was. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I must have not been practicing. <laughs> even better. Oh, that's that one. <laughs> that one? Yeah, that's yeah, that exactly. must be the one. That was it. That was it. It's fantastic. It goes with the, the filter. Yeah, I agree. Boom. I concur. All right, we got a couple more tales to tell. Andrew, you want me to go? Or you want you want to go? It's up to you, Zell. You call the shots, buddy. All right, well, I'll go, I'll go and I'll put you, so you, all the pressure's on you to close out the show. Oh, I will <laughs> blow it for the closer. You don't ever let me be the closer, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> for this tale, I've chosen a true story, not an urban legend. I thought they're all true. Yeah. This He's, is correct. I've picked a truer. I've picked a more truer. True. A more true tale. <laughs> Names and locations have been altered to protect the families involved. But all the details you're about to hear are true. This is the story of Emma Townsley. She just turned 13 years old. Is that her real name? I said names have been changed to protect oh, the family. It's a spooky name. <laughs> that's, all. Just, that's, a, that's a name that's begging to be paranormally activated. That's a good name. I was just name. testing you. Emma Townsley just turned 13. She usually spent most of her weekends tagging with her, taking along with her parents on their work trips as they traveled around a lot. But this time was the first time she was allowed to stay home. All she had to do was take care of the dog and not throw a party. We've all been there. So her parents bundle up their luggage. They take a cab to the airport. They say a few rules to her. Make sure you keep your phone on at all times. Keep the doors locked and don't answer the door for anyone. She agrees. They leave her alone. Immediately, she gets on Instagram. She's texting her friends. She's planning her first party, as we all have done. The weekend, she's telling them, come over at 9 p.m. It's all good. She's, wa she's watching her favorite shows, probably like, you know, some trash reality TV, I would imagine. So she's taking care of her dog, Boomer. It's just her and Boomer in the house. Boomer is just like a medium-sized golden doodle. Nice nice dog. Good really, dog. Really, good really, dog. really friendly dog. So this is a... This is a city close to home. I won't say the real city. But it has a penitentiary. A correctional facility in it. In the Okanagan Valley. It's winter time, so it's, it's dark out early. You know, it's... We're in uh, mid-November, so the time has just changed. 4.30, it's pitch black out. But she's got to walk the dog. So I walk the dog. she gets the leash for the dog. She's getting, this dog has a coat, one of those furry, wooly dog coats. You know the ones. Now she's doing that. She notices the motion light on outside the kitchen window. Strange, but I know it could be, could be many things. Could have been a neighborhood cat. It could have been a lot of things. Raking. But at the same time, she thought she noticed the shadow pass through the window or pass by the window. Ooh. She did a double take. Nothing there. No big deal. Just then, her her parents call to check in. They have just arrived at their at their location or des destination. They call and check in. This is already the th this is like the third time they've sent two texts. Now they're calling to make sure she's sick of it. She answers, "Yes, everything's fine, mom. Don't worry about me." She breaks rule number one. She puts her phone on silent. In a haste, she just throws it on the table, leashes up the dog, leaves out the front porch, closes the door behind her. Off she goes on her walk. As she's walking around the neighborhood doing her, her normal route with the dog, you know, it's like, it's like an hour walk route, 5K or so. About 20 minutes in, she realizes... You know, it's a Friday night, now it's about 5 p.m., it's dark out, but like it's after work. It seems to be no one on the street. 
no one driving. Seems very odd that no, like no one would be out. And then she starts getting an uneasy feeling like something may be following her. She does the shoulder check left, shoulder check right. Nothing. But about half an hour into her walk, she decides to cut it short. It's, it's too weird for her. And as she cuts it short, she goes, she starts thinking to herself, did I lock the front door? Oh, no. Emma. Did I lock the front door? She's thinking to herself. So hastily, she proceeds back to the house. Still, this whole time, now we're up, it's about 5.30. After work Friday, you would think there'd be people coming home, driving, walking, doing every, all the stuff on the weekend you would normally do. She gets back to the house. She reaches for the door. Sure enough, she forgot to lock it. Oh no. No big deal, she thinks. Like, it's, you know, it's a smaller, it's not a small town, but it's a smaller city. It's fairly safe. Thinks nothing of it. Goes in, then she locks it, of course. She goes to pick up her phone off the table. It's not there. So I could have sworn it's through on the table. And then she looks up, she kind of checks around really quick. The phone's on the counter, like on the bar, about six feet away. Hmm. She's like, huh, oh, didn't think much of it. Thought like, oh, I must have, I thought I threw it on the table. I guess I put it on the, you know, on the bar. She picks up her phone off the bar and she realizes she's missed about 10 calls and about 20 texts from friends and family from her mom. Where are you? Call me back as soon as, as, soon as you can. So she does. She calls her mom back. Mom, is everything all right? She's like, oh, where, where have you been? Like, like we're, we're really worried about you. She's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? She, and then she says, there was a prisoner called Jack Norman who was being transported from this correctional facility. The car hit a deer, went off the road. Driver and passenger killed on impact. Prisoner. Goddamn incompetent sheriffs. Prisoner freed. On the loose, a manhunt ensues. Sure enough, she turns on the TV. Jack Norman, serial killer, on the loose. This is location, anyone within a five kilometer radius. Lock your doors, stay inside. Do not travel, do not go anywhere. If you see this man, He's considered very dangerous. Call the police immediately. So she hangs up with her mom. She goes around, checks all the windows and the doors. Make sure they're all locked, sealed up. She does a quick look in all the rooms. Checks everywhere. Nothing, nothing. All good, all good. Spends the rest of the night. She has to cancel her party with her friends because her friend's parents won't let her come over, obviously. The serial killer on the loose. So it's just her and Boomer hanging out. A little worried. Her parents are now, it's a three-hour flight away. They can't just come back. So she maintains communication with them. But eventually, I mean, you got to go to bed. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. You got to stay up. She tries to stay up. Terrified. She, she tries to stay up. She tries to stay up. Just 11, 12, 1. Eyes are heavy. She's on the couch. She thinks like, well, if I got, I'm going to go to my room at least. Close the door. So she goes up. Boomer. You know, Boomer's like, she's been, this dog's been around with her for a while. It's been Emma's best friend. Always sleeps on the floor by the bed. Emma always pets it when, when she goes to sleep. Usually it licks her hand. You know, it's just like a friendly dog. It's right, it's her best friend right by her side. So she slips off to sleep. Boomer's there. She feels good about it. Not more than maybe a couple hours later. She seems to be woken up. But it sounds like a dripping. Like, like, you know when, like, the shower drips? Hits, the, like, the base of the shower, base of the tub. She hears that. She's like, oh, I don't remember having a shower, but this, again, the, the, this house, it's, a, it's like an older house, so she thought, like, I know, the tap might be leaking. She's not, she's not getting up. She puts her hand down. Sure enough, there's Boomer's, there's Boomer. She feels, her, feels Boomer lick her hand. Oh, yeah, slips, makes her comfortable, slips her back to sleep. Maybe an hour, hour and a half later again. The drip. The drip. She hears the drip again. And now she's like, no, there's no, this has never happened before. Now she's a little worried. She gets up. She goes to the bathroom. Flicks on the light. 
and over the shower rod is Boomer. His throat no! slit. No! Blood dripping down and splattering over the tub base. The fuck licked her hand then? Immediately. <laughs> she hears up down the stairs. Someone running down the stairs. Terrified, she runs back to her room to grab her phone and to call 911. As she looks to her bedside table, her phone is gone. Oh no. Fuck. She's terrified now and she hears the front door open. Boom! Slam! So whatever was under her bed, she has left the house. She runs downstairs, locks the front door behind whatever this was or whoever it was. Now we're in, this is like, this happened in 2017. So many people get rid of their landlines. You know, they, they keep a mobile phone only. So her phone is gone. Her parents got rid of their landline. She has no, no way to call. She's not going to run outside. It's like four in the morning, pitch black, cold. It's probably like minus five, a little bit of frost out there. So she goes to the den where they have, they have like a desktop. Power's on the desktop, goes to punch in the password to get online onto Facebook. She can message friends to call or whatever. That's, in her mind, that's what she's thinking. As soon as she presses enter on the pass key, the lights go out. The computer turns off. And right behind her, she hears the door creak open. And a man's voice whispers, humans can lick hands too. <sighs> and that was the end of Emma. Whew, Jesus. We gotta do a quick in the arms of the angel for Boomer. Rest in peace, my in dog. Pour one out from the angel. <laughs> Poor Boomer. Fly away. No chance to bark. That's too. That's fucked up. So that was scary, man. The story. I, the story has been now in internet lore as the licked hand. From this one moment, or also many moments before. This the legend of the licked hand is one of the most more popular campfire terrifying urban legend tales around, and the the earliest rendition I could find was eighteen. 71 by someone named Dearman Birchall and it's a similar tale but is that his real name that that is his real name <laughs> that is correct what? I'm gonna feel awful tonight when I fucking uppercut when yeah, I uppercut like, Axel to fucking hell when he licks my hand when I'm trying to sleep <laughs> he's gonna get fucking a quick one back in 1885 though it ends with humans can lick ye hand as well <laughs> in this in this rendition in 1871 it was a burglar the first that licks the hand. that, licked hands. Yeah, so it's a, a couple and a burglar, and they put their hand down. There's no the dog is not killed in this one. They put the hand down. The burglar licks their hand. They go back to sleep. He robs them. He runs away. Yeah. <laughs> I know I, it's it's definitely something that I've heard before. Like the iteration of that that story is something that I've heard before in, in different form and like various forms. Oh, there's so many really, different yeah versions yeah. of it. Like That's it's horrifying. whether it's like in a joke form or like a more of a joke form than, you know, an actual urban legend form. It's like, yeah, I've heard that. Cause as soon as you said, like, as soon as you said, oh, when she goes to sleep and then uh Boomer Zor is there to lick her hand, I'm like, oh, okay, that's the catch. Yeah. It's, it's a very <laughs> like, popular there's one. There's that weird little detail when these kinds of stories you're like, oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, definitely one of the more popular campfire urban legend tales around. Yeah. I definitely, yeah, I, like I, I, I modernized it a little bit different. Usually, usually it ends. Most of the stories end with Boomer's blood on the on the mirror. Humans can lick hands too, and that usually ends there. But we had a, we had a spiced up for a little it's dramatic because they're like, yeah. why does it, how does the guy know that the dog licks her hand every night? Like, <laughs> who knows, Dan? Who knows? <laughs> but he does, and he licks. But he does, and he tells her, and he has, and he feels like he has to tell her that. <laughs> Strange, but. Yes. It's a good one. It's a good campfire story. You can make up mm -hmm. your own make it up is. your own versions. Yeah. That's how you tell a fucking story. Like that was 
Was, there was, was some serious silence there. Like you paused for dramatic. And listen, fucking. all you have to do is break into someone's house and lick their hand, and then this story's true. <laughs> I'd be I'd be more concerned if she like put her hand down in there and it's like, I don't have it. Wait a minute, I don't have a dock. Oh fuck. Oh shit. <laughs> One of those kinds <laughs> of stories. Mm. All right, another tale. Or just like Boomer came running in from a different room, you know. I was wondering, I thought alive. Boomer was like, going to oh, save Boomer the day. Boomer came running up from downstairs or something. Like, wait, yeah, what the fuck? Whenever there's a dog, whenever there's a dog in a scary movie, you always anticipate them to save the day, not to get fucking hung up by the shower curtain, fucking dead. That was awful. Yeah, it's terrible. Anytime a dog dies, it's even worse than a human. We're gonna get fucking some PETA reviews now, Zell. <laughs> I, I changed. I changed the characteristics of the story. Maybe the original version wasn't a dog; it was something else. Hamster. Sure. <laughs> just he just sits, sits under the bed and squeaks. Yeah. Some kind of pig. Guy starts Popular kicking around pig. his little ball. <laughs> he's running around in. <laughs> All right, and for our last tale of the night, I'm too scared to go. To the mongoose. We that go. Was terrifying. Oh, I'm too scared now. That was it. <laughs> that was way too scared. Perfect. I'm going to be sleeping with my hands like tucked in my armpits. Tonight. Just put your Just mattress on the me. floor. <laughs> Problem solved. There you go. All right. For my super true urban legend, I'm going to talk about Der Grossman. Der Grossman. Der Grossman. So some claim that De Slenderman has existed since the 16th to 18th century in medieval Germany and went by a different name, Der Grossman. Some claim to have seen a man roaming the Black Forest. Der Grossman? Der Grossman, that's what he's called. Gross. Oh, yeah. Der Grossman. Der Grossman, okay. Yeah. Some claim to have seen a man roaming the Black Forest, aka Der Schwarzwald, uh, roaming the forest and snatching away children who disobey their parents. The myth states that the tall man was possibly a child molester who was strung up about the trees as punishment for his crimes. His spirit is said to have survived and continues to prey upon the young. The tall man is generally depicted as an unusually tall. Uh, he can grow to different heights capable of blending in with trees of the forest and completely bald figure sporting a business suit with either a red or black tie. He has no eyes, nose or ears and has a very wide grin running from side to side of his face. In some cases, he is reported as having a hat, tentacles, or multiple limbs sprouting from his back, which he uses to ensnare his prey. What makes Der Grossman so fearful is that his existence is questionable. He may be real or he may not. Perhaps the majority who have encountered the tall man have never lived to tell the tale. In fact, Fear of the Slenderman, the Slenderman, may actually manifest him into your reality, creating a bridge between fact and myth. The tall man is com commonly spotted hiding and lurking about in fog, stalking his victims. De Grossman usually befriends his child, his children victims, acting as an imaginary friend of sorts, and is capable of luring them into forests at night with psychokinetic powers. From then on, the children walk mindlessly into the branching arms of de Grossman as he grins at their young faces, never to be seen or heard of again. Some say these children are eaten, taken to another dimension, or possibly worse. Again, myths vary. De Grossman is said to be capable of slowly driving his victims to madness, can introduce paranoia, give coughing fits to them, and it induce disorientation and dizziness, amnesia, and insomnia. He is even said to be capable of visiting them in horrendous nightmares that vary from person to person. Such victims are slowly driven to insanity and soon incapable of thought outside the realm of fear. This induced insanity is said to weaken victims, making them more susceptible to his control. He loves to toy with his prey before he finishes them off. In some cases, victims become mindless minions of de Grossman, working to bring in more victims to him for his satisfaction. These minions may plant listening devices in your home, follow you around without you being aware of it, and watch over you as you sleep. Some say he can teleport and appear at multiple locations at the same time. 
In some myths, he's able to distort electronic equipment. Quite possibly, De Grossman is some electromagnetic entity. Alien. Think you can kill him or ambush him? Think again. With his psychokinetic powers, De Grossman can deflect bullets and other objects away from his body before impact. Fuck. Ambush would also be quite impossible. If you've seen De Grossman, it is impossible, likely, that he is closely watching you in all of your actions. Okay, did you say he can deflect bullets? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's fucking, He's fucking yeah. invincible, boys. It's, uh, that must be electromagnetism. He just magnetos them away. But he's like from a different dimension. It's, like, why would he's he have invincible. To, yeah, why would he have to deflect? Okay. Sure. All right, I didn't hear anybody else's stories getting fucking cursed in here, boys. <laughs> I didn't hear it. I was just getting shit on here. No, I, lo- I love it. No, there's well, <laughs> people that's who can good. block bullets with their mind. What about mind bullets? What if I shoot mind bullets? I don't know, man. Next time you run into De Grossman, you can ask him. Right. De Grossman. Question about it. The Slender Man. I don't even know where I was now. You guys killed my vibe. I quit. <laughs> it's like okay. It's it. a no, it's over. All bullets. the fun's over. We was, yeah, we're talking about blocked bullets. Blocking bullets. Yep. No, it's fine. Keep going. Blocking bullets. Then what? That's it. Nope. Nope. We're just going to wait here until you keep going. Failed attempts to strike at DeGrossman with a weapon may be met with him obstructing your nervous system and disabling your body functions, making it ever more easy for him to finish you off. Again, it is not known exactly what happened once a victim has finally been taken by him. Some say they simply disappear. In more gruesome accounts, the victim's bodies are found impaled on tree limbs with their organs placed throughout their bodies in plastic bags. The most frightening possible fate may be that DeGrossman extends his fingers to great lengths, punctures the bodies of the victims, and destroys every major internal organ Ooh. they have within, tying them up from the inside, tying them up from the inside into a great slendery and bloodily knot. Ugh. Oh my god. Terrifying. This that's that's the gross man. Remember the thought of DeGrossman bring him even more closer to you. Trying to forget about him will also lead him to you. Once you see him, there is no turning away from the possibility of the ends which await you. Those slender shadows you see moving in the dark of the night or that tall, misshapen tree in the distance may very well be DeGrossman. Watching, waiting, grinning. Now, the first historical account of DeGrossman comes from 1702. Goes as, my child Lars, he is gone, taken from his bed. The only thing we found was a scrap of black clothing. It feels like clotting, but it is softer, thicker. Lars came into my bedroom yesterday, screaming at the top of his lungs that the angel is outside. I asked him what he was talking about, and he told me some nonsense fairy story about DeGrossman. He said he went into the groves by our village and found some cows dead, hanging from a tree. I thought nothing of it at first, but now he is gone. We must find Lars, and my family must leave before we are killed. I am so sorry, my son. I should have listened. May God forgive me. Now we have... That's insane. Wow, it's just supposed, shit's supposed to get even weirder. Because we, we got a story from a friend of a friend of ours about De Grossman. All right, so obviously when we say these stories, we got to do it in our first person or else it's going to sound like shit. Right, so this didn't happen to me. It might sound like it happened to me, but it obviously didn't happen to me. All right. So this place, this story takes place in in a place kind of similar to Norse Germany, yeah. Hmm. In a time like now or like maybe like the 1600s or something maybe. One evening, me and my twin sister, Stella, were playing with wooden sticks or whatever you'd play with in the 1600s. When our mother came into the room and interrupted, she stated, Seth, we must go out into the woods, go for a late night walk. My sister, Stella, looked up to my mother and said, But Dada, he's going to become home soon. We, we are late, we, we have to have our bath. Mother says, that is enough. Silence. I am the parent and you will listen to me. We are going for the walk now. So me and my sister Stella looked at each other, grasped hands, and followed mom outside and then into the woods. The deeper the, 
The deeper we went, the more strange we began to feel. But still, we did not question our mother. As we kept walking into the thicker, deeper forest, we noticed a clearing. And in the middle of the clearing, there was a, there was a tree that kind of stood out from the others. It was black and thinner than the other trees. My sister looked over and whispered into my ear, the tree is moving. My sister whispered into my ear, I think that thing is alive. My mother heard us whispering, turned her head at us, and we both instantly gasped. Her eyes were as black as the night itself. She growled, enough. Startled, me and Stella clung to each other just in time for the tree to come more to come more into focus. And we realized that it wasn't a tree at all, but a tall, skinny-looking man dressed in noble garb with arms as boneless as snakes. Stella looked at me and said, Where are his eyes? Masa, I am scared. My mother then reached into her bag and pulled out a long, sharp knife, emotionless, told me to draw a circle on the ground large enough to fit both I and Stella in. I looked at Stella and screamed, run, Stella, run. And we both took off together into the woods, running as fast as we could. We did not look back. As we approached a path that seemed somewhat familiar, the path that we took into the forest, the one that led to our house, I looked over to Stella and realized she was no longer there. I was alone. So I deter- so determined I continued home, knowing that father would be home soon. I ran home, hid under my bed, and anxiously waited for his arrival. When he finally arrived in what felt like hours, I ran to him and told him what Hilfa, had transpired. Hilfa! Fasa! Fasa! Hilfa! That's help. He told me to go into the shed and grab his axe. When I got back, he told me to lock all the doors and said he'd back with he'd be back with Stella and Mother soon, and under no circumstances should I open the door for anyone else but him. I returned to under my bed, terrified. And the next thing I knew, I was awaking to a knocking at the door. Open the door, it is your father. Instantly I noticed. That does not sound like Zapapa. So I refused. <laughs> there was another lock knock at the door, louder angrier. Open this door now! This is your mother! I screamed, Where is Stella? Where is Papa? And with a loud crash, the door flew open. The sound of splitting wood echoed through the house. Immediately, I covered my mouth, trying to hold back the sobs as tears poured over my hands. Everything went silent, other than the slow tapping of footsteps and the sound of my heart pounding against the floorboards. Slowly, the steps were getting louder and louder until her feet became visible for where I was hiding under the bed. Out of nowhere, two tentacle-like arms wrapped around my feet, dragged me from out under the bed. Try as as I could to grip the floor, but the snake-like arms pulled me with ease. Next thing I knew, I was looking up at my mother, staring back at me. She tilted her head to the side, eyes black as coal, and that's when I realized, clutched in either one of her hands, was Stella and Papa's severed heads dripping blood on the floor. I cried out, why, Mother? why? Hilfa! She snapped back and hissed. Because this is, because there is no reward for goodness in this world. Nothing but cold steel teeth and the scourging fires of hell for all of us. And now it is coming for you. As the grasp of the black tentacles eased from around my feet, this was my moment to escape. I jumped to my feet only to feel the same grasp. Now, around my throat, I fought and I fought as my head became heavier and the room became darker, staring into my mother's arms. The warm, rancid breath on the back of my neck. 
pretty sure that's true. That's a true tale right there. I'm pretty sure it's a true story. Yeah, I believe it. Yep. Oh, oh my god. True. Severed heads? Yeah. Nope. Pretty fucked up, boys. Yeah. Pretty fucked up. Alter Grossman. I didn't I didn't realize I, I didn't realize DeGrossman. fucking DeGrossman that he was a he's like a fucking mutant. He's he's the precursor to Splenderman. Splenderman. Phil, Splenderman. Phil Slenderman. Phil Slenderman. Splenderman. He uh yes, replaces uh, your pure cane sugar with, with yeah. artificial sweetener. That son of a bitch. <laughs> Some say he's a, a villain, others a hero. <laughs> Cutting off heads and saving people from diabetes. <laughs> he cuts off the legs of those undeserving. <laughs> yeah, those are some good uh, good urban legends. Now, um, we have been on quite a spooky train uh, for all of Spooktober. We got one more spooky episode that's going to be a fan submission next week. Dan, what's the... What's the Spooktober fan submission. What's winning right now? Yeah, if you're on our $10 tier on Patreon, uh, as you know, every month it is the Ron Pond fan pick uh, poll that goes up on our Patreon page, and if you'll be able to see it, um, you know, once you once you join the the elite. And this month, at the end of Spooktober, we had three choices. We had the Watsaka Wonder, we had the Great Amherst Mystery, and we had Franklin Castle. All spooky, spooky places. I think one is a possession, one is a uh, a problematic poltergeist, and then the other one is a haunted castle like somewhere it's in Ohio. It's the most haunted place in all the <laughs> place world. Place in all of the world. <laughs> in all of Ohio, perhaps. But uh, this... In the world. With, uh, Most haunted place on all of the fair. It was pretty close at the beginning, uh, but the great Amherst mystery pulled ahead. Ooh. So we'll be covering that at the end of the month. Awesome. Great Amherst mystery. So cool. I believe that one is a uh, that one is a bit of a, a poltergeist, spooky poltergeist story. Uh, we'll be looking into case of uh, haunted <laughs> haunted. Like, so there's a haunting going on and people like it it looks pretty pretty wild theorite of the week this week is going out to connor gage connor gage uh sent us this little uh sent me a little care package for our friend fjord on dungeons and dragons uh which is a patreon exclusive uh he sent me two matching blades Fjord's Ernest and Ernest. Ernest and uh, Ernest, the, yes. If you know, you know. Like one should have been like Ernest and Ernst. Like <laughs> No, it's it's Ernest and Ernest. They're both guy is an absolute craftsman. Yeah. Those yeah. are fucking Those awesome. Are fantastic. Well, he, he, wrote, he wrote a note just so I can give some people some um, you know, there it says, Hail Bacob. The blades are made of corley maple to resemble Damascus steel. Dope. The hilt is made from walnut because I thought Fjord could use some nuts. <laughs> Keep up the good work, Connor Gage. That's canon. And as Connor asked, he said, well, he, he wasn't sure if it was Ernest or Ernest as in like E. Like, and I said, no, the, both blades are named after my hero, Ernest P. Whirl. And they're both uh, <laughs> named in his memory. Ernest goes to camp. Ernest goes right. to school. Oh, dude. Ernest, Ernest, Ernest scared stupid. Yeah, this Ernest, is Ernest, Ernest, Ernest scared stupid, stupid is the best one. Ernest goes to camp. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good old Halloween movie. Anyways, uh, dude, Connor Ernest Gage, scared stupid. It's his best by far. Absolute legend. That's a theorite of the week for you. Thank you for those. Uh, and if you want to see them in action the next time we play D&D, get on our Patreon. Uh, it's going to be a time. Maybe I'll maybe I'll send those off to uh, the Stone Oak Tavern and I'll get uh, Fjord to do him a little shout out this week. All right, if you want to listen to D and D, like Brain said, Patreon.com/slash Alien Theorist Podcast. Find the link in the description. Two hundred and fifty bonus hours. Skip those pesky ads. All the other goodies. This week's newest supporters: Gerardo. Oh fuck. Rezga? <laughs> Rus- Ruska? Gerardo, oh fuck, Ruska. <laughs> Gerardo, oh fuck, Ruska! Mike Ox. Uh, I see what he's trying to do here. <laughs> I see what he's trying to do here. I'm going to give it to him. Read the name. Mike Ox Limp. Good one. 
<laughs> Casey one. McGregor. Croc Crotch. Mm. Okay. River Row. James from East Willembury. Where's that? Sounds sounds this in the UK. From the Shire. <laughs> the Shire. It's Middle Earth. Cole Gomez. Hey, we know Cole. Cole, welcome OG back. OG fan. OG. OG. OG fan. Danny, want to read some? Uh, we've got Fire. We've got Austin Kip. Uh, Senor Recio. I like it. Daniel Mansbridge. I recognize that name. He's welcome back. Belinda Hawkins. Sean. Just Sean. Just Sean. <laughs> Stephen Michael Salater. Salturo. Salaturo. Cody Jones and Nate Olson. Thank you very much for supporting the show. And as we always say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the sky.